Hello, welcome to The Lore You Know, a show where we chat with some amazing human beings who are storytellers, collectors, and folklorists as we discuss the history of inspiration behind and importance of collecting regional tales. Today, I have Tobias Wayland with me. Thank you for coming. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so before we get started, can you give a brief introduction about your place in the cryptid, spooky, creepy community? Sure. Um, well, I guess sort of my, my self-defined place is as the, uh, the, the writer and editor for the Singular Fortean Society. I don't know where else other people put me, <laughs> but, but that's where I put myself. And, um, and so sort of what we do over at the Singular Fortean Society is um, we uh, try to cover paranormal events and, and experiences journalistically, but then we also act as an in, in, uh, investigative organization where we do also connect with witnesses and uh, try to take their stories and, and, and help them if, if we can. And, you know, uh, a lot of the time that help uh, just takes the form of, of um, trying to understand, you know, what, what may have happened to them. Um, and in the absence of that, uh, you know, sort of making our peace with the idea that, that we don't know what, what precisely happened with them. But, um, you know, I, I, either way, I think people can be helped by that. So, but that's, that's largely what, what we do. And so I spend a lot of time researching and, and writing and speaking with witnesses and getting out to, to you know, areas of uh, reported uh, experiences and, and things like that. Right. When did that start? When did you start the Singular Fortean Society? Well, Emily and I started the Singular Fortean Society. It would have been in 2016. It didn't, uh, well, I should say its current incarnation didn't exist until January of 2017. I mean, 2016, we really, I mean, we spent most of that year because we started it that spring and we didn't really know what we wanted to do, but we knew we wanted to do something and we knew what we wanted to call it. And so uh, we had sort of spent most of that year uh, trying to define ourselves as an organization. And it wasn't until January of 2017 that we kind of landed on, uh, you know, paranormal news. Like that was a, a big thing for us because I think right. that's probably what we're best known for at this point. Um, and we really weren't doing that in, in 2016. Uh, 2016 was a lot more like blog posts and, and sort of just like fun social media stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we, we made a, a determination that we wanted to um, just have a, a, a more serious effort, I guess. You know, um, if you can hear my cats behind me, by the way, they're oh, going I hear bananas them. right now. I have no that's, idea. Okay. That's awesome. I follow them on, uh, on Instagram. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. They are, uh, they are rascals, but, uh, but yeah, no, we, 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 we kind of made that choice that we wanted to, um, uh, give something to the, the, the community sort of fill a void. I, I think that we had seen, in a, mm -hmm. a lack of, um, you know, serious reporting on, on these topics. So uh, that's what we did. So is that what inspired you to start that? Is that you saw that particular void that you felt needed filled or you just wanted to approach things in a slightly different way than what you had previously seen? Well, on a personal note, uh, the reason I got involved in this um, 
was because of a series of seemingly paranormal events that have been um, occurring to me since I was a, a small child. And um, at the risk of digressing, um, when I was a kid, you know, I, I would experience these events and there was no internet or anything, of course. And so what I would do is I would ride my bike down to the library and I would check out weird books, you know, because there's always like a, like an occult section yeah. and an unexplained section and speculative nonfiction and, and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, I would find these books by, uh, you know, like John Keel or uh, Lauren Coleman or um, Whitley Strieber, Brad Steiger, uh, 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 Rosemary, Ellen uh, uh, Guiley, all of these different people. And I would read about the kinds of stuff that they had investigated and the people that they had worked with and the things they had experienced. And a lot of the time it was very similar to the things I had experienced. And so that, that helped me a lot because it was, it was very isolating um, to not have anyone really to, to, to talk to um, about that stuff, especially as a kid. And so um, as an adult then, when I was sort of considering what I wanted to do, you know, not just with um, my, my life, I guess, but also like how I could contribute to, to this field, mm-hmm. um, I sort of landed on, okay, I, I don't know exactly, you know, how or, or, or what yet, but I, I want to write about this stuff. And, and, and I want to try to help people in the same way that, that these people that for the most part, I, I had never even met, uh, had, had, had helped me. Like I have since managed to meet some of those people, but, um, you know, back, back then I didn't, I didn't know anybody, but I, I did know that despite having never met these people or, or knowing them, uh, they, they helped me. Uh, they helped me tremendously through, through some pretty hard times. And I thought if I could uh, do the same thing for, for somebody else, then that's absolutely what um, I, I, I want to do. And so, when we started the, the Singular Fortean Society, I, I always sort of had that in mind. And I think it took me a while to figure out exactly the best way for me to do that. And, and I, I'm, I'm still figuring it out you know, in, in some ways mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, um, you know, just sort of modifying our approach or, or you know, adding, adding new things. So, but yeah, I mean, that was the, the, the main impetus for, for me. You know, I can't speak for Emily, but for me personally. Well, what was some of that stuff that happened when you were younger? You should digress. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, honestly, <laughs> I can't even help it most of the time. Um, so uh, for me, um, some of my earliest memories actually are of uh, being terrified to go to bed at night, you know, which uh, may not necessarily be un- unusual for, for children, but yeah, and, and this goes back when I say some of my, my earliest memories, I mean, literally earliest memories, like if, if I try to think back um, as far as I can, uh, this is this is some of the stuff that, that, that I can remember. So we're talking, um, you know, early single digits uh, in, in terms of age, but I, I remember, you know, of course, being so terrified of, of going to bed that I would do that, uh, that, that, that sort of standard childhood uh, defense of pulling the covers over my head right and right. when I would do that there would be something on on the outside of them and and I would see hands sort of pressing in and, and, and buffeting against the blankets um, I would wake up to the feeling of hands sort of digging painfully into my sides um, you know it would feel like I was being lifted up 
um, you know, sort of out, uh, out of bed. Um, yeah. and, and, and these memories, yeah. because they are so old, are fairly fragmented, you know, so I, I, I can remember those experiences, um, but not necessarily all of like, like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what I did that, like that entire night. So I, I understand if, if, if those were the only experiences, I think it would be very, very easy to just sort of write those off. But it, 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 it never ended, frankly. Um, and I've, I've continued to have uh, experiences, uh, everything from, you know, seeing shadow people to continued nighttime visitation um, and, uh, and, and some weird sort of psychic visitation events. Um, and, uh, and, and a lot of those are much more well-defined. So I, I can give you an example of, of, of one. Uh, in my early 20s, I was living with my, my parents. So I was sort of between... Um, you know, deciding what, what I was going to do when I was going to go back to school and, and all of that stuff. And um, I had gone to bed one night and uh, there wasn't anything uh, un unusual uh, about that that evening that I can remember. And, and I went to bed and uh, I remember waking up suddenly and I, I didn't really understand why I was awake because there was no obvious uh, stimulus present that, that I felt should have, have, have uh, woken me up. And so, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm lying down, you know, uh, supine and, um, I start looking around and, uh, I noticed that my perspective is skewed and it, it takes me a second because I'm, 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 I'm looking around and this is in the, the, the suburbs of, of Wisconsin. So some prairie Wisconsin, there was some ambient light. So I was able to see things more or less in my room. So I'm looking around like my bookshelf, weight bench, like all that stuff is, is, is where it's supposed to be. And uh, it takes me a second to realize that the reason that my perspective is seemingly skewed is because I am floating like several feet above my bed. And as I turn my head to my, my left, mm -hmm. I see this figure and, and the figure is in the shape of a man and it's pure black. And in that moment, I sort of, I got the uh, impression that I wasn't supposed to be awake for this. You know, it just seemed like the kind of thing I, I was interrupting like it just it was not meant for me to be experiencing this the way I was and so um, I could move you know I was moving my, my my head around I thought it probably wasn't a great idea to move a ton considering what was going on so I I right I mean it's, yeah. it's kind of funny if, if you think about it now and like so I I, I turned my head to the, the left I see this thing I'm like well I don't know what the hell to do and so like, I look at it, I assume it's looking at me, but there aren't any facial features that, that, that I could, I could make out. And, um, I remember this thing, it reached its hand out and it put it on my chest. And I, I, I interpreted that as, uh, uh, being comforting, you know, like it was also in this, you know, I don't know what the hell you're not supposed to be awake um, uh, uh, a situation responding yeah. to that. And so it, yeah. it puts its hand out on, yeah. on, on my chest and then I'm lowered back down to my bed and, and it just vanishes and then it just disappears. And, um, and so, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. Like it, it didn't seem like there was much to be done. You know, I, I had learned right. pretty early on that waking my parents up wasn't a great solution like that. <laughs> Just, you know, then, then I still experience this thing and now I have grumpy parents. So that's, that's not great. Um, and so, you know, I, I just kind of uh, laid there for a while. And um, also by that point, uh, I, I 
come to the understanding, I think, that if they wanted me hurt, whoever they are, like whatever they are, if, if I was going to be hurt, I, I'd be hurt by now, you know, like, right. like physically harmed, I, I would already be physically harmed. And so um, in, in the absence of, of that physical threat, um, you know, I wasn't particularly scared, more puzzled, really. And uh, since there wasn't much to do about it, I just kind of laid there for a while and, uh, and, and went back to sleep. Um, but that kind of stuff, you know, it, it, it never really stopped. I mean, um, I haven't woken up, you know, floating uh, uh, above my bed or anywhere else since, but I, you know, I have experienced other things. Uh, even just since I've, I've, I've met, um, you know, Emily, uh, things have happened where she's been in, in bed next to me and has just slept through it. Um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, it's, 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 it's an ongoing issue. And it's one of those things that to me, sort of defies categorization, because I think it would be easy. Um, you know, if, if I was really into like alien abduction, then I would attribute it to that. If I was really into ghosts and hauntings, then I could attribute it to that. Um, but like the fact is, uh, you could put it in, in any of those categories. I mean, it, yeah. it, it matches a lot in, in different aspects. So um, who, who knows? Is there a pattern that you've noticed as far as when you have those, those types of things occur at night? If it's like, because you were talking about being in transition a little bit whenever that occurred between what you were going to do as far as college goes or work or whatnot. Is that, have you noticed that that's um, a particular pattern that emerges if you're in the middle of some sort of maybe internal conflict or just a transitional part of your life? You know, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, some of the more recent, I mean, I, you know, like there, I, I could find a way to interpret almost any period of my life as being between something, right? Sure. Um, but, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, being in, in sort of that kind of, you know, liminal uh, space, you know, even metaphorically, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, I don't think so. I've, I've never seen a real pattern like that because stuff, it, it seems to me to happen um, at, uh, at, at, at random intervals with, with almost no warning. Um, you know, there was an inst a couple of instances, uh, at, at Emily and, uh, and, and, and my, uh, old apartment where, you know, I, I would wake up to, to stuff like that. And there wasn't really anything special going on in our life, um, that, that I can think of, um, you know, some of the, the activity, um, I want to say picked up after we started the, the Lake Michigan Mothman in investigation, uh, there were there was at least one instance where, um, actually, this is uh, another weird one. But I was I was out walking our dog, and this is just this is so illustrative to me of the experience of many of the the, the, the witnesses with with whom I speak, right? Because mm -hmm. literally people will just be out doing any random old stupid thing, you know, just living their, their very mundane lives and they will run headlong into the impossible. And, and when I hear that from witnesses, um, I can relate to it because it, it, it's happened to me. I, there were a couple of instances at our old place. Um, one, and 
this one, I, I love telling people because it's so weird and it doesn't make any sense. I was, I was out walking our dog. It was, it, it was the, I have two walking the, the dog stories by, you know, by, by the way, I don't know what that's about, but uh, I was out walking our dog bullet like mid afternoon and he had stopped to pee on a telephone pole. And as I always did, cause we, we, we lived in the, the city. And so I wanted to make sure that nobody sort of snuck up on him because I didn't want him freaking out. And so while he's peeing on a telephone pole, I'm usually like head on a swivel looking for the dogs and stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, I look down the, the, the street to my left and I see this woman and she's, and she's uh, dressed sort of head to toe in pink, like a, uh, like a pink jogging suit. Right. And, okay. uh, and she, which, yeah. And like a, a just a, 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 a middle-aged woman, like heavy set jogging suit and she's sort of power walking towards me and i'm like okay well better keep an eye on her because the dog's gonna go crazy and try to jump on her and stuff and as i'm looking at her looking at her she just vanishes like vanishes into thin right into thin air i can still picture her uh, a brunette like kind of a mom haircut glasses like pink (laughs) jogging suit power walking towards us and then vanishes and i'm like looking to see if she you know like dove behind a tree or something but like she's nowhere <laughs> very agile ran, like and this is as i was looking at her i i crossed the street and and took bullet down you know the way that she had been coming from but on the other side of the street so i could see if there's any possible way she could have just i don't know snuck behind something for some reason but yeah. no i couldn't find her um it was the weirdest thing, but you can tell that story to people who ask why nobody ever sees ghosts in like modern clothing. You can tell them about the the, the pink jogging suit lady because it totally I've had happened. that. People have asked me that before. I'm gonna use that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bizarre. Uh, actually, when you talked to Emily, Emily had a very similar experience over by the community center by our house too. So. Hmm. It wasn't a lady in a pink jogging suit, and I'm not going to tell her story for her, but I just want to make sure you remember to ask her about it. But uh, the other one, when I was out walking the dog, this was nighttime, and we used to live like halfway up uh, a hill. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the hill, you had this small park, which, and then across you from that, there was a a community center. And um, again, you know, I'm, we're, pretty near to our house probably a quarter of the way up up this hill and bullets sniffing around you know so I'm waiting for him to finish what he's doing and I'm doing the normal thing I do I kind of look around while he does that and I see up at the top of the hill next to this park it looks like there are these two tall like black uh, hooded figures like you know cloaked and and hooded and uh, they were there for several seconds and I kind of stared at them because I mean, it's, it's Madison, Wisconsin. So it's, we lived in kind of a weird neighborhood anyway. So I was like, okay, I don't know. Is there something going on that I don't know about? Well, I mean, you know, like it's, it was yeah. kind of a hippie, like weird neighborhood. And uh, I'm staring at them and, uh, you know, I look at them for several seconds and they kind of, they seem to be looking in our direction. And then as I'm looking at them, like they just disappeared. Um, and so I don't know, you know, but that one to me was more, meaningful just because of the appearance of whatever that was it sort of matched some of the like the shadow people that i had seen before um mm-hmm. 
and certainly, you know, the, the feeling of being uh, observed, you know, there, there being some sort of interaction was mm -hmm. something that, um, that, that I was used to, you know, because there was really, there was no uh, interaction with, with that other lady. I mean, I don't know what that was about, but, you know, it's, I shouldn't seem that to be so paying weird. attention to me. She was more yeah maybe she wasn't even aware of you i, I would assume yeah I, I have no idea did when you um saw the cloaked figures did you end up looking into maybe the history of the area to see things that have been there before you know it's, it's something that i've done before uh mm -hmm. just out of my own personal interest I, i've never come across anything uh, similar in terms of like any reported sightings or even urban legends or, or anything like that in, in that area. Um, you know, the, the closest thing would be there is a reputedly haunted park about two or three blocks away, um, mm. but nobody has reported any, anything similar to that there. Um, right. So yeah, no, it didn't, didn't really match anything. Uh, mm. You know, it's difficult to track those kinds of um, reports down, you know, there's not exactly a, a comprehensive database or anything I can consult. There isn't a good amount of literature on it. Um, and so, you know, like you can, you can look around, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't get lucky that, that time. So no, I, yeah. I, I wasn't ever able to find anything, anything similar. It's interesting. When you get reports that come in to you, what, like, how does that typically unfold? Do you get an email? Do you get a phone call, a message on Facebook? Um, and then what are the steps that you take after that? So typically uh, people will email us and that's because um, on the contact page on our website, we, you know, like it'll, it just goes yeah. to our, our email. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not unheard of for someone to you know message us on on facebook or or something similar and 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 that's fine like i i usually end up referring them to our email but right. um, that that can be the initial point of point of contact so from there it depends on what they are saying um because most of the people that that contact us well it it, it really runs the the, the gamut so Let's say I've got someone who is contacting us because they believe that their house is haunted and it's a terrifying experience um, and, uh, and they really want somebody to come out there and help them, but they live, you know, like two states away or something. Um, if that's the case, then I'm going to refer them to somebody else. So I'll usually go to people I know and, you know, and be like, hey, do you know anybody in this state? that right. is a, a reputable right. like paranormal team or something that I can, I can refer this person to. Um, if it is, you know, say somebody who wants to report uh, like a, a winged humanoid sighting, then um, I'll take a look at, at, at their email and see what, what, what they've included. And if I have some questions uh, in terms of, you know, do I think that, um, well, I, I guess, how do I put it? Um, if, if I have some questions about their experience um, that I need answered before I, I want to speak with them, then I'll usually respond and say, you know, and, and ask those questions. And then, then if they respond um, and, uh, and, and everything 
looks like uh, a sort of authentic experience that I, I think is is worth everybody's time to to really get into, then I'll, I'll ask them to speak with me over the the phone. And if that goes well, and uh, and they're willing, then I'll, I'll ask them if if they're if they will take us out to the the location of their sighting. Um, and then you know I guess what are some of the other kinds of, of things we get? You know uh, sometimes we'll get people, <clears throat> excuse me, who uh, who want to know what was in a, a photograph that that they took or mm-hmm. uh, a video that that they shot. Um, most of those don't really require a phone call or or us going anywhere. Uh, most of the time, I can show it to Emily and and she'll tell me it's dust or or an insect or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, those are, those are usually pretty straightforward. Uh, now, I, one thing I, I want to emphasize too, because I, I am concerned, I don't ever want to come off as, as cold when I, I talk right. about this stuff, because we do try very hard to practice something that I like to call uh, compassionate professionalism. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to make sure witnesses understand that I know that they're a human being. And, and I know that by the time I'm actually speaking with them, um, I, I believe that they've ex- they have experienced something that, that they don't understand. And, and I believe that they are authentically relating their experience to me, no matter what it ends up being. And mm-hmm. so for somebody to do that is, is very difficult. And yeah. it, can be, it, it can be scary, frankly. And um, people are often very nervous. And so whatever I can do to, to sort of put their, their mind at, at ease, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to do. And so, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, asking more questions and stuff, I, I do try very hard to, uh, to make sure people understand that I'm not interrogating them. I just want to understand their experience because that's the only way I, 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 I can help them. And so, you know, if um, let's say I, I ask somebody uh, some some further questions through e- through email or something, and um, you know, it, it it becomes apparent to me that um, you know maybe they they misidentified something, or uh, in some cases, um, I'm not the best person uh, for for them to to be speaking with. You know, maybe I mean there uh, for instance, there are definitely times where I've had to suggest that someone speak to like a a medical professional um right and i i don't shy away from that you know i'm 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 not a therapist i'm 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 not a psychiatrist uh not trained to to deal with that stuff and so if somebody is approaching me um you know talking about yeah being possessed or or you know saying that there are demons or something in their house then I'm not saying there aren't demons, but I am saying that I'm going to need you to talk to a licensed medical professional who is comes back saying that, okay, I can't explain what's happening to you and I can't help you before I, you know, the, the Fordian writer is going to become in, involved because, you know, yeah. I mean, because there are real consequences to stuff like oh, that. Yeah. People could really get hurt and it's not, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not worth it. So, but uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's usually a, a vetting process. Now, one thing to understand too is in a lot of cases, people just never get back to you. So 
you know, I'll, I'll get a, a, a one-off email that seems really, really compelling. And I'll say, oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, what, you know, like what a, 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 an interesting experience. Would you mind like talking to me, you know, and, uh, and you just never hear back. And mm. my policy on those, well, originally my policy was for them to just live in my email inbox forever and never do anything <laughs> with it. Um, yeah. Because honestly, you see this too much. Uh, people get like one-off emails and they're not able to source them and they don't verify anything. They never even end up talking to the person, but they, they throw it out there. You know, they put it on their blog or website or whatever. And, uh, and they put it out there as though it should be given the same weight as something that was properly in, investigated. And that bugs the crap out of me. Um, and so like, I, I don't do it. The closest that we've come now is um, I started, a, it's, it's like a special column basically in our, our news section and I call it reports from the void because I always wanted to be able to give people all of the information. Like I, I want people to have everything that I have uh, with, within certain limits. Like I'll, I'll never give somebody's information that they don't want me to give. Right. But I always want people to have as much of the information that, that, that we receive because some of it is, is pretty interesting. And, and if you try to put it in a, a, a larger context with other reports that have been better investigated, it, uh, it, it, it can... Uh, support, you know, those reports in, in, in certain ways, but it's also, you know, very important to, to have the obvious caveat that, hey, we weren't ever able to properly investigate that. And so that's always in bold on those. Like I've, I've got a whole paragraph <laughs> in bold on every single one of those articles saying, just so you know, like this is a reports from the void article. Um, so and take that for, for, for what it is. We, you know, we, we weren't ever able to really speak with this person or investigate this properly. So as of now, it's, it's just a cool story. Have you ever received any reports that were unnerving even to you just reading them or just unsettling in general? Um, I think the closest thing to that um, would be where I'm concerned for the, the, the witness um, and I've, I've definitely received those. Um, it, it can be difficult, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, uh, but for anybody who isn't actively involved in uh, investigating this stuff, um, it's definitely one thing to read stories in a book or, or you know, in a magazine or on the internet uh, or hear us talk about them, mm-hmm. but uh, to actually be speaking to someone face-to-face or, or even over the, the, the phone or something and, and hear how upset they are or hear the, the, the fear in their voice. Um, that, I don't think unnerving is, is, is the word necessarily, but it's, it's very concerning, you know, because I, I, I don't want people to be afraid. Um, and, you know, because I spent a lot of my formative years terrified and I, I don't want people to have to, to be afraid of this stuff. And, and, and I don't think they need to be afraid of it. Uh, you know, I think right. it's just something that, that they don't understand. Generally speaking, people aren't, aren't really harmed by, by anything like this, uh, and, and at least not physically. And so I definitely am, am concerned by that. And, uh, and, and if, I, um, if, if I notice 
that, uh, that, that, that somebody seems to be, you know, very afraid, then those are the people that I usually spend extra time with because I want to really help them talk through that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and usually by the end of those conversations, I can at least give them, you know, some, some kind of peace of mind because, you know, if, if you look at so much of the narratives presented in the, the, the paranormal today, uh, especially in popular media, um, it's all so, it's just, it's just these terrifying contrivances where people are like, oh, look at all this, this, you know, like, look at all these demons. We got a house full of demons over here. <laughs> and then, yeah. Right? And then people, and then people see that. And they're like, oh, you know, I think my house might be haunted. Do I have a house full of demons? Um, and uh, and it sucks. It's just the worst. And so you have to speak to people and be like, look, I guarantee you, you're not dealing with demons. You don't, you know, like there's nothing for you really to be afraid of. I get that this is scary um, yeah. because you don't understand it. None of us understand it, but you know, you're not really in any danger. Um you know, for instance, you know, I, I remember I had uh, a woman, uh, this would have been up in Rogers, Minnesota. And, and uh, now this was a, this wasn't in an unnerving case. I, under, I, I understood why, why she was concerned, but she had reached out to us uh, over a series of uh, shadow people um, encounters in, in her house. And they kind of seemed to be centered around her, her grandson. And, um, you know, the more she related to these stories, I was like, you know, I mean, that that kid was me, you know, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, And so that was one where, you know, she really she really wanted answers, frankly, and uh, and she had been looking for them prior to, to speaking with me and there, you know, there there was a, a certain amount of having to sort of unravel the existing narratives that, uh, that, that she had already encountered, because the fact is like, nobody knows what is, is, is behind shadow people. Um, interesting thing about them. And I, I, I don't want to digress too much in the middle of a story, but shadow people to me seem to act as I say that a lot, by the way, because I digress all the time. Um, but the interesting thing about shadow people to me is that they seem to act as sort of this, this paranormal cipher, where they can mean anything you want, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what ends up happening is, is anybody with a particular bias or, or pet theory or something ends up just, you know, putting it on shadow people because it, it, it's just really, really easy to do. And so um, when in speaking with, with this particular lady, you know, I, uh, I hopefully was, was able to, to shed as, a little bit of, of light on, on the phenomena, not in so much uh, in terms of being able to tell her what it was, but to be able to reassure her what it wasn't. And I feel like that is something I spent a lot of time doing um, because right. of the, the unfortunate narratives that, that are so prevalent in, in the paranormal field right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to to talk to her about your experiences as well so that that kind of alleviates some of the fear i would assume for what was going on with her grandson which reminds me in strange tales of the impossible in the um forward in the intro you explain that this book is for your uncle joe who never made you feel like the black sheep and i wanted to ask about this uncle joe of yours 
He um, he was great, actually. He unfortunately passed away last year, um, but he he was he, he was a fantastic guy. He was the funniest guy in the whole world, and he was always my favorite uncle. He moved down to Texas when I was pretty young, but you know we would get down there to to visit him, and um, and he'd come up and, and visit us, and and I didn't even know honestly. Now I was always a, 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 a weird kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he never made me feel weird. Yeah, you know, a lot of my relatives did. Yeah, you because know, I was into like Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, and like most of my relatives didn't understand that stuff. They just saw, you know, like some nerdy kid. And but he, but he didn't. You know, like we would always joke around. He was great. We would go do stuff. It was it was fantastic. And. I found out a few years ago that he had actually had experiences of his, his own. It was after we started the Singer of the Fortean Society. And um, I think it was after I, we published um, the Lake Michigan Mothman book. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he um, started talking to me uh, about his own experiences. He had had some, some really interesting uh, uh, UFO sightings. When, when he was younger, they're, they're in strange tales. I, I, I put them towards the, the, the end of the book. Um, but uh, that meant a lot to me, you know? Um, I was able luckily to um, record those conversations. I still have them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll go back and listen to them every once in a while if I feel like crying. But, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to record those those conversations. And, and they really meant a lot to me because it was sort of the, the, excl- uh, the exclamation point on our whole relationship, um, you know, of him always being like just this really funny, uh, understanding, great role model, like role model and, and uncle. So I, I couldn't imagine anybody else I'd, I'd want to dedicate it to, frankly. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you have his voice recorded as well. Is it audio recordings or video oh, too? Um, it's, this is just audio um, because... Well, I, I wanted to do video and I couldn't figure it out. And at the time I was like, oh, it's no big deal, you know, right? Like, sure. I'll, I'll get it next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got it on, on audio. And it's one of those things, too, where I, I tell people, you don't think about that stuff until it's too late. So yeah. literally take as many pictures as you can and record people doing stuff and record conversations, just all of it. Yeah, I completely as agree much with as that. You can. Oh man. <clears throat> well, at the end of the podcast, I always ask my guests to tell me a story. So if I were to come visit you and Emily and we're hanging out, playing with the cats as they're wound up and, and the dogs, and we're just hanging out, what would be a story that you could tell me about the area that you're in right now? That's either spooky or cryptid related. Oh, okay. Um, well, We've only lived here a short time. Um, we we bought no this house. I know, no. I, there there's stuff around here. Like if if I'm allowed to go, you know, like within this area of Wisconsin, like there's there there's definitely plenty. Um, we're only about 20 minutes north of uh, the Illinois border, and so you know we can get to you know half of the the really interesting Lake Michigan, you know, Mothman. Uh, uh, sighting areas in almost no time, but there's a, there's actually a spot that's, that's even closer. And 
I don't think you've heard this one before. So I would probably yes. talk about Oregon, Wisconsin, where um, a year ago on Thanksgiving, there were a couple of young women out. Uh, they were, they were, they're 18. And so they were driving around Thanksgiving night. And for anybody who's not from like rural Wisconsin, it is totally normal for teenagers to just be out driving around because there is nothing else to do. And yeah. so they, they had this route that, that they would take around Oregon and they noticed a couple of, of weird things. So the first thing that, that they noticed was like all of these deer seemingly heading in, in the same direction, like they were running from something and they, they began to notice in the same spot in their route, like their radio would start to, to get glitchy. And, uh, you know, it, they would get to the spot. It was this intersection with a, a, a single street light and, and no other real lighting. Um, and their radio would get staticky and it would turn to another station. And of course that was odd. And so as they're coming up on this weird spot again, they noticed this possum in the uh, uh, road. I think it was a possum. And so they stop because they don't want to hit it. Sure. And when they stop, they see what they described as this large winged humanoid swoop down from like above this streetlight, like over the road and, and to their left. And then they, they, they lose sight of it. And so they were startled, of, of course. Yeah. And yeah. they were scared, but it was more of a, a momentary fear because my personal hypothesis there is that they were young enough where they recovered quickly because I remember being 18 and, you know, like there, I wasn't afraid of a lot of things that I should have been afraid of when I, right. like when, when, when I was 18. And so they decide like, they're going to keep going, uh, you know, and, uh, and at a certain point they're like, okay, well, 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 we should go back. Like, let's just go back and see if we see it again. And, uh, and so they circle around in their route and, and they go back to the spot again and they don't see the thing you know, flying around or, or circling or anything. But the passenger this time sees uh, what she described to me later as this sort of bulky figure with red eyes standing in, in this field. Um, and that was their, their last sighting that night. And so, you know, naturally, like I, I, well, I was referred this particular case by uh, my friend Jesse Durdell over at the National Cryptid Society. And uh, he had spoken with them first, and then they uh, agreed to, to speak with me as well. And so after, uh, after I had interviewed them over the phone, this is during COVID, of course, so like in person was sort of out of the question. Right. And um, they did give me the, the actual address, like the, the, the name of the streets, you know, where this intersection was. And so Emily and I naturally got our stuff together and we decided to, to go out there. And so we had... I think three different recording devices, three different cameras going while, while we were out there. And, and I had the radio on and everything. And so we're kind of uh, driving through this intersection and, and, and through this area to, to see if we could sort of replicate their experience. And, and the radio didn't glitch or anything. And I didn't see Mothman. And, and so I was, you know, you were bummed. Of, I was, I was a little <laughs> disappointed until though we got home and we started going over um, our recordings. And on every single device, I still can't explain it to, to this day, on every single device, there was this weird audio interference, all of them. And it, it, I can't trace it back to anything. There was this weird like crackling and popping on, on the, the audio of every single device. 
And so I can't just leave it at that, of course. And so like, I think it was like two weeks later, we go back. And this time we've got everything going again. And I'm looking for like ham radio towers and huge satellite dishes and electrical transformers, like anything that looks like it could put out the kind of EMF that would screw up our uh, uh, cameras, right? And so this time, you know, again, didn't see Mothman, but we get home (laughs) and the audio, uh, this audio interference, it's still there, but it's quieter. It's much quieter. So we give it a year. And on the year anniversary of this sighting, we go back again. You know, this time we like brought the dogs with us. I've got a little K2 meter. You know, we've got all these cameras going and we go out and and we do the same thing. Now, the only interesting thing that happened out there um, was at a certain point, Emily's looking at at, at this uh, uh, EMF reader and she sees like its light go all the way up to red. At the same time, our dog, uh, Jadzia, barks out the, the uh, window and she barks in the direction of that field where this young woman said that she had seen this thing standing. So I didn't see this like this, this, this EMF reader go off at all because obviously I'm, I'm watching yeah. the, the road. So like the dog's barking and I was like, oh, dog noticed something. And Emily's like, well, that EMF reader just went off. Is that important? You know, like... <laughs> So it could be a, 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 a coincidence, I have no idea, but I thought that was really interesting. But what was most interesting to me is we did the exact same thing, same route, everything, go home, check all of our, our cameras, there's no audio interference at all. So it was really, really loud, close to the, the, the sighting, and then diminishing, uh, uh, afterwards as though it was fading away until a year later it's completely gone Hmm. so that was super weird like i i I can't i can't explain it um i mean my imagination goes to some pretty weird places you know like i i like to think of like a window or something being open just for this short time that allowed this thing to come through or be seen or something. And then it just sort of slowly faded after that until it's gone, so. That's what I was thinking when you were saying it. So I think we should go with that. Nice, great (laughs) minds, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Oh man, well, thanks for sharing that story. Um, Can you tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you and your books? I have the one right here, um, which I have signed by you because i got to meet you in person i remember that yeah yeah you do you you remember <laughs> uh, and then strange tales of the impossible as well which looks like it's on the shelf behind you i have it in kindle format it is yeah actually a funny story uh, behind that uh, that is displayed there because uh jay bichochin came over like two weeks ago to uh interview us for finding j2 like his his next documentary and as he was setting up, he was like, hey, Tobias, why don't you like set up your books behind you? Which is something I never would have thought of in a million years. And then uh, I just never put them back because that's the kind of person I am. I get something out and it just stays that way forever. So, so anyway, uh, where, where to find us? Yeah, so um, obviously I'm, I'm on social media. Uh, the Singular 40 in Society is on social media. So you can always find us there at Facebook, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh, you can also go to singular40in.com, which is our website. 
Uh, and on there, of course, you can find links to news articles, feature articles, a timeline of Lake Michigan Mothman sightings. You can purchase uh, our books there. So of course, Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangers in the Midwest and Strange Tales of the Impossible are both available for sale, uh, signed through the website. Otherwise, of course, you know, you've got Amazon and, and stuff if, if you don't, you know, want me to, to vandalize your book before we send it to you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you like what we do enough that you want to be a part of it, of course, you can always check us out at uh, patreon.com slash things of the 40. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, if you guys would like subscribe, you can rate the podcast now on whatever podcatcher you use. Um, you can send me an email, heather at smalltownmonsters.com or leave a comment below to let me know what you think, or if you have any suggestions of anybody else that we could talk to, um, until next time.